this is Valerie Aiello, and you're listening to Idea Diary. Thanks for coming back to my office and hanging out. Okay, so we are going to do another Al Rees, Jack Trout book, and I was just going to go over my notes for Positioning, which was the book written in 1981, and I had heard in a video that they had revamped some of the 1981 version but I couldn't find the new version or if they had named it something new so I don't really know it was talked about in a in a marketing meeting of some kind that they were invited to speak at or the daughter of Al Rees Laura Rees so I'm not quite sure but I'm going to just assume this is the 1981 information and just go over it quickly. So number one, I'm, I'm going to go over it chapter by chapter. Some chapters I'm skipping, but there are 22 chapters in the book. So I don't know if 22 was like a theme for them or what, but the 22 mutable laws of marketing and branding, let's just go with it. Chapter one, what positioning is all about. So they say positioning is not about creating something new. It's about manipulating what the people already think and bridging the gap between what the customer already thinks in your product. It needs to be a simple message. Do not try to change someone else's mind if it's impossible or it is impossible to change. And you need to focus down on your product. You need to be honest and you need to own a word that's connected with your brand and a visual hammer. All right. So chapter two, assault on the mind. So basically this chapter, they kind of talk about the messages get lost and the number of media outlets there are. So obviously in 1981, there wasn't the, also the internet and social media. So now there are even more places where your message can be lost. So just focus down, do it short, simple, as far as your positioning of what your product is. Okay, and the positioning, in case you're not clear on it, is where you rank in the, the number of products that are available in your category. So cars. Uh, cars in general would be a category, but a subcategory would be import cars. You kind of have a category and you're in it, and hopefully you are number one or two spot. All right, chapter three, getting into the mine. Communication can only happen at the right place and the right time. When you're getting into the mind of the consumer, don't give yourself a generic name. Be first if you can, and if you can't be first, try to think of a new category. Chapter four, those little ladders in your head. The positioning on the ladder is, you know, how how um, popular you are based on the sales that you're getting for your brand. You have to keep in mind that there is no room for new unless it's related to the old. When you're in the number one spot, you're usually first, or at least the first in the mind of the consumer. And if you're number two spot, you need to be proud of being number two. And you need to pick a word for your, your unique position on the ladder in your category. So for example, they talk about BMW, would say their car is good for every single reason that a car could be good until they focus down on saying that their car was the best 
machine to drive. And that made them go from number 11 to number one in import car sales. Again, they're just talking about focusing. Chapter five, you can't get there from here. I really like this. This was like a little aha moment for me. So you can't fight facts. And sometimes you can't get there from here, meaning there's no possible way you can achieve your goal from the place where you currently are. You've got to find a new place to be. For example, they talked about the Vietnam War. No amount of money, no amount of soldiers, nothing was going to win that war the way that it was being fought, there is no way to win. Yeah, I think just being aware of that concept is going to help people save a lot of time and pivot faster. Number six, positioning of a leader. Leaders should not try to drive competitors out of business. They should try to create a new category. So the number two spot and the number one spot will be the brands that dominate and the rest will be the rest. And This kind of reminded me of bottom-up marketing, where they talked about your strategy and your tactics is your business. And this reminded me of business warfare or marketing warfare when they talked about PR makes your business exist. When you're positioning yourself on the ladder, you need to be number one or two or create a new category. Your whole business is going to be based on your strategy and your tactics. And you're not a real business or brand until you've got PR going. Chapter seven, positioning of a follower. So copycat products fail to achieve reasonable sale goals. They kind of were mentioning if you market yourself as being better than a competitor, that doesn't work. You got to look for the blind spot of the competitor and position yourself to customers that you are the blind spot to that product. Whatever they're missing, you're solving that problem. And you do not need to appeal to everyone. You need to focus down. So the example they gave was Southwest Airlines. A lot of the airlines at the time were talking about the food and the luxury and how nice everything is. And Southwest Airlines just doubled down and said, we're the cheapest. You know, got a family. You need to get somewhere cheap. Use us. And another example they gave for not to be a follower which I just kind of related it was the Kodak story, which Kodak totally failed when it came to living through the digital camera age. Even though they were the first one to make a digital camera, they called their digital camera a Kodak camera, but their Kodak brand was known for the printing in the film, like how good your print would look by using Kodak film. So they kind of killed their original brand by trying to name their digital product Kodak. It's very odd, but the the irresistible urge to continue to um, line extend your brand that's already trustworthy and successful is huge and you got to avoid it. Can't do it. Number eight, repositioning the competition. To create a new idea or product, you must move old idea out. Being better than the competition isn't effective advertising. You got to be new. So the examples that they gave for this was when the car first came out, it wasn't called a car. It was called a horseless carriage. They used the name based on getting the old thing out of the mine. Um, so sugar-free. They're, you're relating to sugar, even though you want people to know there's no sugar in your product. 
when Tylenol came out and they were trying to tell people to use a Tylenol instead of an aspirin, they used the marketing that they weren't aspirin. They were the non-aspirin. Chapter nine, the power of the name. A name that tells the customer what it is is a major benefit, obviously. So I just, for my own notes, my personal opinion is when you're naming something, you want to have as few syllables as possible because that's easier to say. You want to pick a word that has design strength, you know, that's fun to design with and fun to look at. And your brand name it would be awesome if it could become the verb or the noun for the thing, like the Kleenex or the, the Band-Aid. You know, when people are using your thing for the product in a generic way, like Uber, it um, is very powerful. And that's almost impossible to knock you off of the ladder. You're usually going to be number one. And think about how people are going to shorten your name and create a nickname for your brand name. Just as some thoughts while you're working. They also talk about don't use like initials or any like names. I think using a name like Amy's, um, what's like a national brand? I don't know. Like, you know, like sometimes names can be fun. Just the name alone, like Tom's Toothpaste. I think there could be a more fun name that could sell the same product even more. But sometimes it's just, it is what it is, and you use it forever. And that name's, you know, in someone's mind already. You don't want to change it when it's already, you've already have an imprint on somebody, on the, on the customer's minds. Chapter 10, the no-name trap. That's what I was talking about, the initial thing. They said avoid that. It's weak. A founder name can be weak until it transcends, like Ford. Uh, I think it's a pretty powerful card name at this point hundreds of years, it's better to have a name that describes what your thing is. Think about the sound and the look. Chapter 11, the free ride trap. I think they're talking about like riding a bigger company's coattails. And they talk about the size of the company doesn't matter. Smaller companies maneuver fast and pivot. And a focused small company can beat a giant company. Number 12, or chapter 12, the line extension trap. So they talk about this a lot. The easiest way to destroy a brand is to line extend it. You need to focus and um, you don't want to undercut your successful brand. For example, they started the aspirin company. Basically, they were the first ones to have aspirin. And then when Tylenol came out, they were advertising themselves as, as not being aspirin. So then Bayer came out with a product that was non-aspirin Bayer. So whatever version of aspirin Tylenol was, was creating, they created their own. And I guess the smarter choice is to make a second brand. You never want to undercut your own brand. All right, chapter 13, when line extensions can work. So they talk a lot about Procter & Gamble. So um, Procter & Gamble is the main company, but every time they make a new product, they start a new brand name. They talk about um, Dole Pineapple being a successful canned item when Del Monte that came before them, they were canning everything they possibly could with their brand name Del Monte, but there wasn't much competition at that time. So they didn't have to 
make all the brands separate for their bees and their carrots and all the things. When Dole came on the scene and made canned pineapple, then they had to start considering branding each specific product. So just interesting to think about. Line extensions, uh, they talk about when you write a grocery list, if you're using the name of the product rather than saying dish soap, you know, maybe you're saying palm olive or you're saying cascade when you mean dishwasher soap. Um, you mean when you say ivory, you mean uh, face soap or, you know, bath soap. So that's an, always a great clue that when you're making a grocery list, if your product is named well, then it's it's a great thing, especially a grocery list you hand someone else to go shopping for you. Chapter 14, they talk about again, like being number one spot doesn't mean you have better people or better product. It's just what the customer thinks because you are number one. Chapter 15, um, they talk about positioning countries, which is interesting, but very specific information. Chapter 16, positioning a product. They talk about milk duds. Milk Duds did not have a big budget for advertising. And all the candy bar companies, when people thought about candy, they thought about, or chocolate candy in general, they wanted a candy bar, usually. But candy bars could be eaten really fast. In a Milk Dud box, you could eat it really slow. So once they started marketing with that aspect, the sales went through the roof. And people loved the idea of buying one candy and it would last a long time, especially for kids. I guess that would be like focusing and narrowing your target for an idea and to get into the customer's mind. So that was a good example. They talk about positioning a service, uh, which they just talk about you want to relate to what's already available and focus on one selling point. Whatever your service does, you might do a lot of things, but you need to focus on one as far as getting more sales. In chapter 18, positioning, I guess like a local retail location. They said you need to know your territory for a successful retail location. You need to map the customer's mind, for, with map out their lifestyle and their needs. And the one thing that actually counts for a, lo for a local thing, a retail thing, is how your company compares with the competitors. I thought that was interesting because that was kind of a different approach because when they talk about the ladder and brand positioning, you want to be number one or two, and how good your your thing is doesn't matter. It's just about connecting your brand into the mind of the people. So it's a little bit of different advice when it comes to local stuff. Chapter 20, positioning yourself and your career. So like a self-branding type of thing. Most difficult thing when positioning yourself is selecting one specific concept to hang your hat on. So again, focusing on one. And confusion is the enemy, and they talk about a lot of successful people crawled up the ladder from behind someone else. And it is possible to succeed in business by yourself, but it is not easy. Chapter 21, Six Steps to Success. I feel like this was their first book, and they maybe hadn't organized everything in their mind within all the other books yet. So just real quick, their six steps to success is number one, what position do you own? Number two, what position do you want to own? Number three, whom do you want to beat? So like competition. Number four, do you have enough money? 
they talk about you need enough money to win, but there's plenty of examples where money doesn't necessarily win the game. Number five, can you stick it out? Marketing and positioning is a long game. Number six, does your brand make sense with your position? Getting the communication to be great and easy and simple and make sense. So chapter 22, playing the positioning game. Overall, you need to be honest, simple, unique position is what wins the game. Customers' minds is what is going to translate to what your brand is. If you're the first and you're number one, you need to, um, and I know this from the Marketing Warfare book, you need to hold your position. You never need to attack other competitors. You attack yourself by making yourself better. Number two and below, you never want to go head to head with a number one spot. You want to go around or over or under or over, and you want to create a new category if you can't win the number one spot. That is Positioning by Al Rees and Jack Trott, and that was from 1981. I think this might be a little bit boring and a little bit repetitive. But for some reason, I'm just really into understanding what's happening with their mindset of their opinions about how to market and brand. I like the idea that a lot of these books were written before the internet. So it's great for perspective. And the next round of books, uh, I think, were written after the internet. And I'm going to do a couple more, mainly the ones just by Al Rees and the ones by Al Rees' daughter. Yeah, going to keep it going. I'm just really interested in this and hopefully you get something out of today's show and that's it for today. Thanks for hanging out. Bye.